Thank you. This will probably be the only time that we are polite to one another. <laughs> uh, but I want to ask Nathan a few questions this morning, just to introduce him to you guys more. There's a lot of you guys probably weren't here the last time Nathan was here. That was six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. So there's a lot of you guys not here. So I want to introduce him, just ask a couple of questions uh, so that you get a better idea of who he is and what they're doing. So we are part of Acts 29, which is a global uh, church planting network. Uh, a part of that global network is that we, we partner with other churches across the globe. So I think eight, eight years ago, we began our partnership. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, eight years ago, eight you're years right. Eight years ago, we began our wow. partnership with uh, Livingstone's Elko. Uh, how that began was really random. Uh, there was a guy here from Livingstone's Reno. He said he knew a guy from Elko, Nevada, who wanted to partner with a rural church in possibly Ireland. <laughs> we Skyped two months later. I was at their house for Thanksgiving. That's literally how that went. Uh, and we've, we've, we've just grown our partnership from there. I... I right? Uh, <laughs> So yes, these guys, I have to say, these guys are genuinely like family to me. Uh, I love them, I appreciate them, and I'm thankful for them. But obviously we know that they think, they think America, God loves America more than anywhere else. No. But we know that's not true. <laughs> so, but I want to ask Nathan a couple of questions. What, what, what's this week, they've been with us all week this week. What is the one thing that has stood out to you about, about, about Northern Ireland this week? One thing, the beauty Apart of your country. Winter. Apart from you, yeah. this is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I have been, we've been driving, John and Julie took us to the north coast. When Marcus asked this morning before the service, how much time have you spent this week marveling at the power and the majesty of God? For me, a lot of time this week. Uh, because we're just looking at the coast and the beauty of God's creation and just overwhelmed. So I just think this is the, one of the most beautiful places in the world, man. So, so it wasn't really the balls and the falls then? No? No, it wasn't right. that. That wasn't the highlight? No. No, no okay. Uh, right, we did do that the other day. That was, that was an, a whole other story. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I wanted to give it a, a bit of a, a feel, a bit of a history of Livingstone's Algo, because... We live in a small town, we're rural, uh, these guys live in a, in a small town. Now it's not small in comparative to Rathfrain, how many, what's the population? About 20,000 in 20, Elko. 000. So it's, we have about 3,500 here I think in the, in the immediate town, but it has the same sort of feel. Oh yeah. Same feel, and so I want Nate to give a bit of a history of the, the church in Elko because what I think sometimes we can do is what we can, we can think, we can limit God to what he can do. And so we can limit God to what we see here and what he can do here. Uh, but I want Nate to give a bit of a history to see actually what, to give us a bit of vision. Yeah. As to what God can do. So a brief, and when I say brief, I mean brief. 25, no, 30 minutes? Three. <laughs> so okay. Go. Go. Three minute. Go. Um, three minute history of what God has done through Livingstone's Alco. Goodness, wow. So yeah, we start, this is our 12th year uh, as a church plant. Um, our church started uh, in a living room with a Bible study with my wife and I and one other couple. And uh, we were just listening to uh, a pastor in Reno preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse through books of the Bible. And uh, I was working at the gold mine. If you don't know, Elko, Nevada has the largest gold mine in the world. 
uh, in, in our city. Uh, and so we have a lot of crazy work schedules and things. And so we, we started this Bible study just on the op, off weeks when I wasn't able to go to church. And uh, the Bible study started off as just going to be the small thing with four of us. And uh, we weren't going to invite anybody to our Bible study. I know what you're thinking. That's really sad. Um, the second week we met, another couple showed up. And I said to my friend, I thought we weren't <laughs> inviting people. And he said, well, they asked what we were doing, and it's pretty messed up to say they can't come to your Bible study. And I said, that's a fair point. Uh, and so literally, the short version, by God's grace, um, about two months later, there was almost 50 people in the living room. Uh, people had just started coming to, to hear the Word of God, to be a part of this community. And we were sitting around a computer just listening to the audio of sermons that were being preached in in Reno at this other church. People started to give their lives to Christ in the living room. Um, Families started being changed. I ended up finding us just a a bigger place to meet because the living room was really small. And as we just kind of took steps to remain faithful and gathering together, God just kept on saving people. And there was one night in particular where I had a couple come forward and ask if we could start taking communion, the Lord's Supper, together. I had another um, couple in their 40s come up to me and say that they were on their way to get divorced, their marriage was over, and this Bible study was the last hope for their marriage, and that God had changed their family, and they decided to stay together. And then right after that, a third couple came up and told me their daughter had given her life to Jesus, and they wanted to know when she could be baptized. And this was all in one night. And so it was at that moment I just realized that what God was doing with this Bible study uh, was something way bigger than I could have even planned or imagined. And so long story cut even shorter, um, I reached out to the church in Reno, Nevada, who we were listening to the sermons, and I told them what was going on. And uh, the pastor I was talking to, when I told him that there was about 50 plus people meeting together Um, he got really quiet on the phone and I thought he was angry with me uh, because I didn't know like what was going, if I was allowed to use his sermons and all kinds of stuff. But actually he was crying and he had told me they had been praying for God to move in Elko, Nevada for over 10 years. And they'd actually tried to start a Livingstones church two times and it had failed. And so it was from that point that they kind of took me into pastor school and uh, since then, it's been, this is our 12th year. Uh, by God's grace, we've seen over 400 people trust in Christ and be baptized. Um, and, and yeah, now we're, we're just, we're growing and God's still saving people. And we get the blessing of being a part of the family of God around the world now. Uh, starting, as John said, here in Ireland with you guys, you were our first, our very first uh, global church support plant. And uh, the last time I was here, this room was in half. You guys were in the back half facing that way. And so to be here this morning and see this whole room filled with, with all of you is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, I'm thankful for all that God's done in Elko, and I'm so thankful for what God's doing here with you all. So thank you for having us. Yeah, praise God. That is, I know, it's, it's, a, it's an unbelievable story in a way, but it's, but it's very believable because that's what God can do. Like literally, and that's what we're praying for here. Yeah, the surrounding areas. 
And how many Livingstones churches are there now? Uh, we're going to plant our ninth Livingstones church this December. In Nevada. So there's nine yeah. Livingstones churches in, in, in Nevada. Yeah. Folks, that's what, that's, what, that's what the dream is. That's what the vision is here for Cornerstone Church. And, and we need to believe that. We need to pray into that. We need to ask God for that. Let me say this, John. People have asked us, uh, what are you guys doing? As I travel with Acts 29, that's the number one question. What are you guys doing? How's this happening? And I just get the same answer. I say, well, here's what we do. It's pretty mind-blowing. We gather together faithfully. We sing songs that worship and exalt and praise King Jesus. And then we open up this book and we preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through God's word. And something amazing happens. God keeps his promise. When we're faithful to lift high the name of Jesus, God draws all people to himself. And that's what you're doing. And so take heart and be faithful and don't give up because as you lift high the name of Jesus, God will draw his people to himself. Amen. Yeah. What can we as a church be praying for you guys as a family in particular and as a church? Uh, yeah, man, it's a good question. Uh, as a family, I think uh, we're in a pretty good season. Uh, we have two little girls uh, that we adopted. Um, they're six and seven years old. And so I think just prayer, uh, I would just say for me personally, just to be faithful, to make sure I'm a husband and a father first. Uh, that, that my family doesn't have to compete with my ministry because they're my first ministry. And, uh, and so that, and then uh, I think just for my wife and I to be faithful in raising little girls to know and love Jesus, that's the most important thing. And know and, know and love the church. Um, I know there's, a, at least in America, there's kind of a stigma around being a pastor's kid that they, they grow up and they don't love the church. I don't want that for my girls. I want my girls to grow up and love God's church. And so you guys could pray for that. Uh, and then for the church, um, we're just in a season of growing again. Uh, we just got a, a new building, and so it was so we didn't have to do four services. And uh, on, this is part of, in my notes, but on Palm Sunday of this year, we had to add a third service in our new building because it's already too small. And, but it's an amazing thing to ha problem to have because people want Jesus. And they're just giving their lives to Christ. So pray that God just keeps saving people. Yeah. So the first time I went to Alco, we did four services. <laughs> it was in a room about this size, I would say. Room roughly about yeah, this actually, size. yeah. Yeah. So we did four services. They were 8 a.m., were they? 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. It was a long... 5 p.m., I was like a zombie. <laughs> I did not know what I was saying. I did not know if I had said it before. Or, 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 <laughs> Your jokes yeah. weren't as funny at the five. <laughs> I would have to contest that. <laughs> they're like, they're not funny at one service here. <laughs> Never mind the four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, can I pray for you now? Please. And then we're just, uh, well, the kids can go. <laughs> and then Charlotte is going to read for us and pray for us again. Yeah. Let me pray for Nathan. Thank you. Father, I just pray for Nathan. Father, I thank you that you have chosen him to be where he is for the time that he is, for the purpose that you've called him to. Yes. Father, I do pray that he would be faithful to the task. Father, pour out your spirit even more on him. Anoint him. Give him your grace. Let him know how yes. much you love him and care for him and his family. Yes. Father, we pray for all of you and the girls as well. Father, we pray this will be a family who would glorify you throughout their entire lives. Yes, God. Pray for the girls. 
pray that they would love the church. Yes. Thank you for them. Thank you for the life that they bring and the joy that they bring. Father, I thank you for this family and the, and the joy and encouragement that they've been to me. Father, I pray you'll bless living stones today in Elko as they gather. Father, we pray that your spirit will be poured out there and we pray that it will be poured out here amongst us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Um, we're just going to do exactly as Nathan and John have said. We're going to open up God's Word, and we're opening it to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we are starting at verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to be gathering this morning. We are so thankful for Rathryland, the town, Lord, and for the people who are in it. And we pray, Lord, that people will come. People will want to just come to hear about you, to know what's going on in our lives and other people's lives, Lord, that Jesus is working and transforming in. We thank you, Lord, for the surrounding countryside. Sometimes we take it for granted. Forgive us for that, Lord. And may we just look at it with new eyes. Today, as the sun shines or the clouds are about, if the rain pours, doesn't matter, Lord. You're steadfast, you're true, you're faithful. Thank you this morning, Lord, for Nathan coming. I pray, Lord, that the words that you give him will be words that will actually be true, living, and capture us, Lord, so that we can move on this week, Lord, clinging on to something new, something fresh, but also clinging on to you, Lord, true, steadfast. We thank you, Lord, that we do have your word here, that we don't have to hide like the persecuted church, that we can just avail of it, um, Lord, and we're so thankful for that too. Pray, Lord, this morning for the youth, Lord. Ask, Lord, that you would bless those who are leading them this morning, that our kids, Lord, may grow up to love and to serve you. Thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have to say, uh, the reading of God's Word sounds wonderful in the Irish accent. Got to figure out how to, how to get that in Elko, man. Uh, no, it's good to be with you guys again this morning. Um, thank you for having me. Um, like I said, it's just uh, an honor to be here. We love Pastor John and Julie and his family, um, and I just love this church. Uh, like I said, you guys were our first uh, global church support 
Uh, and uh, it's just been special, and I've just got the gift of lifelong friends uh, out of that. And so thank you uh, for, for, for just being our family across the ocean. It's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, it's like John said, it's been six years since I've been here last, and I just want to say again, you guys, it is unreal to see what God is doing here. Um, nearly every other week, I send Pastor John a message, and I just can't help uh, but worship God for what he's doing uh, here in Rathfryland. Uh, I see the, the posts and the Facebook posts of the baptism and God, God saving people here, and it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, and I'm just committed, and my family and church is committed to continue praying for you all, uh, and that God would continue to bring revival here in Rathfryland. Um, like I mentioned, things in Elko are going great. We did just launch a, a third service in our building uh, on Palm Sunday. Uh, we're growing pretty rapidly, and we're rejoicing as people are turning to Christ, and we're just, we're in a good season of ministry right now. And so I would just, I would ask this, how about uh, we keep praying for you all fervently and faithfully, and you all please keep praying for us. Uh, if we can make that deal, we'll be in a good spot, all right? So, uh, but I'm excited to preach this morning. When Pastor John told me uh, that I could pick any text I wanted to preach on, uh, I chose this one because it is a powerful reminder of why we do everything we do as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, if you're not familiar with the book of 2 Timothy, I'll give you a little bit of, of background. Uh, 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. Uh, he's writing this as an old man who has endured an incredible amount of suffering uh, throughout his life and throughout his ministry for the sake of Jesus Christ. And in fact, even now as he's writing this letter, he's sitting in a prison cell awaiting a death sentence because of his faith in Christ. And he's writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy, who, who Paul was very close to, actually called him uh, his son in the faith. Uh, Timothy is leading a church in a city called Ephesus, and he's facing a lot of persecution uh, and attack from false teachers and, and even wicked men, uh, both from within his church and from outside of his church. And so Paul is writing to remind Timothy that in all of his struggles, in all of the opposition that he's facing from within and from outside of his church, Paul is writing to remind Timothy that his source of strength, the only thing that has the ability to carry him through whatever may come in life and ministry, is the grace of Christ. That's it. There's nothing else. He's telling Timothy in this whole letter, there's nowhere else you need to look there's no one else you need to turn to for the strength that you need in life and ministry except Jesus Christ our Lord. And Cornerstone family, the same thing is true for every single one of you. The same thing is true. Nothing and no one else has the strength that you need to endure this life and be faithful except Christ Jesus your Lord. Now, I know that that's one thing to say to hear a pastor say out into the air, but it's another thing when, when you just get really practical in the day-to-day -day life, right? And so, listen, I want you to remember the grace of Christ when you're tired. I want you to remember the grace of Christ when you feel like everything that you're doing or everything that you're building or everything that you're working hard for in your life seems to just fail. 
and fall flat on its face. I want you to remember the grace of Christ, family, when your kids are exhausting you, when you're tired, when life feels out of control and you're not sure you can continue. I want you to remember the grace of Christ when relationships both inside the church family and relationships outside of the church family get hard, when you're struggling, when you're hurt, remember the grace of God. You know, I, uh, I heard one pastor say this in, in this context of remembering that the grace of God is your strength. I heard one pastor say this. He said, remember this, that when your tank is empty, he said, remember the tomb is empty too. And, and what he means by that is if you remember in the struggles of your life an empty tomb where your Savior once laid, and if you can picture him now risen, seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all things, if you can remember, remind yourself that that risen Savior loves you, that He's for you, that He's with you. And if you remember that if God is for you, then who can be against you? If you can remember this, family, then you can endure anything. You can endure anything if you remember that the grace of Christ is your strength. And so that's why Paul's writing this letter. He's saying, Timothy, look, life is hard. People are difficult. Uh, It's not always, you know, just joy all the time. Timothy, you're going to need to grab a hold of the grace of Christ for life and ministry. And it's actually here that I want to give you guys the main point of my sermon. So I don't know if if you guys take notes in sermons over here or anything, but I like to give a main point of my sermon that just kind of, if you don't remember anything else that I say this morning, I want you to remember this, this big idea, and here it is. We have an unstoppable gospel. Amen? We have an unstoppable gospel. Today's passage, this is what Paul is telling Timothy. It begins in verse 8. If you would look in your Bibles there, it begins in verse 8 by Paul telling Timothy this. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Now, actually, I want to stop right there already. This actually seems like a bizarre statement, uh, considering that throughout this letter and even 1 Timothy, Jesus Christ is all that Paul's been talking about. Everything he's been talking about has been Jesus Christ. And so it seems odd that in chapter 2 of his second letter, this, this letter that if you remember, Timothy would be reading all at one time, all in one sitting, it's interesting that Paul would say, remember Jesus Christ again. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why would he say, remember Christ? Well, here's the reason why, family. It's because we as human beings honestly forget Christ so quickly, don't we? We oftentimes forget Christ quickly. I mean, isn't this true? How often have you come to Cornerstone Church on a Sunday morning after a difficult week? Maybe you hadn't been in a few weeks. Maybe life was just overtaking you and you finally show up to church and you hear a sermon from Pastor John and it, it speaks to you. God, through His Spirit, is just using His Word to, to speak directly to the things you're going through. And, and God invites you to trust Him. 
and to let him lead you through your struggles and what you're going through, and you're in this moment only to leave church, and then two hours later, you find yourself dealing with the same stress, the same anxiety, the very same thing that you were feeling before you went to church that day. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I can tell you this, it's happened to me a lot. Here's, here's, what, here's the truth, family. We can't be reminded of the gospel enough. We can't hear the name of Jesus enough. Listen, the source of strength, the source of our strength, the source of Timothy's strength, Paul's going to remind us again, is only the grace of Christ that will help us endure. So Paul says to Timothy and to us this morning, remember Christ Jesus. Then he keeps going. Look back in your Bibles at verse 8 through the beginning of verse 9. He says, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. And then look what he says at the beginning of 9. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Let's stop right there for a second. Family, we're, we're reminded here that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy about strength and endurance in life and ministry from a prison cell. He's writing this from prison. What's happening? Why is that significant? Well, family, we're, we're seeing Paul identifying with Timothy's reality of suffering and hardship for the sake of the gospel, but also by God's Spirit, Paul's identifying with our hardship and suffering for the sake of the gospel too. He's he's showing us the reality that a life of following Jesus, a life lived in faithfulness of Christ Jesus, is not a life that, that doesn't have hardship and opposition. In fact, the opposite is true. If you live your life faithful to following Jesus, you will have difficulty in your life. This is actually Paul showing us the truth early on of Jesus' words in John 15, 8 and 9 when Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so he's simply reminding Timothy here that if you're going to be faithful to Christ Jesus in your life, expect resistance. Expect difficulty. I mean, family, the the world is dark and broken and full of sin, and our Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? And so, so what do we expect when we shine the light of Jesus into the darkness? Paul says, This Jesus, this grace, this gospel, he says, it is so beautiful and powerful. It is the reason, Paul says, I'm suffering in chains right now, bound like a criminal. But he keeps on going. Look what he finishes verse 9 by saying. He says this, verse 9, he says, for which I'm suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But look at this. He says, but the word of God is not bound. I, I don't know if, if that, let me say it this way. If you love the Lord Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, that sentence right there, that should get you all excited. That should, that should stir your heart with joy 
to hear that the word of God isn't bound. Paul says, I'm in chains suffering on account of the gospel. But make no mistake about it, Paul says, the gospel itself, the word of God, it's not bound by anything. What's he saying? Look, although the messenger can be put in chains and bound and confined to one location, the word of God cannot be contained. Like, the power of the gospel cannot be diminished. Its effect cannot be reduced by anything. You see, you know this and I know this, Cornerstone, that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ alone that has the power to take spiritually dead people and make them alive again, right? Like, this is the reason we're here. This is why we're gathering and celebrating and raising our hands and lifting our voices. It's because we believe that this gospel message, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that is the message that has the power to change a person's destiny. It's the gospel alone. Paul says, listen, it's so beautiful and powerful that I gladly sit in chains. I may be bound, but the word of God is not bound. You can imprison or even kill the messenger, but you can't imprison or kill the message because the gospel is unstoppable. Now, I think as we look at a text like this, for Timothy and for Paul, like this, this truth is nothing but inspiring. Like I, I imagine myself being Timothy reading this, struggling, dealing with difficult relationships, false teachers, wicked people, opposition, reading this and just finding inspiration in his heart and soul to keep going. I know that, that he would take great comfort in his suffering and trials and hardship that the message they're working to proclaim, that message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that, that there is salvation for sinners who deserve nothing but hell. I'd imagine they take great comfort knowing that no matter what may happen to them, God will still have his way. God is still ruling and reigning. God will still save his people. It's, it's a wonderful message in their current state of trials and tribulations and imprisonment. However, I'm actually worried a little bit that for us today, I'm worried that we may not be hearing it in the same way. And, and here's what I mean. Uh, Cornerstone, no, none of us are currently sitting in a prison because of our faith in Christ. We're here, gathering freely, lifting high the name of Jesus. None of your pastors are in jail in a foreign land right now because of Jesus. I'm, I'm worried that because contextually, our suffering in Christian churches like ours can often look very different from their suffering, I'm worried that we may not be connecting with the power in this truth like we should be. I'm, I'm wondering if, if often the lack of power in our churches is because we're not focusing on or celebrating or remembering the unlimited power of the gospel we proclaim. 
And so as I, as I prayed about this text, both for my church and for yours, I felt like the Spirit of God wanted me to use this passage in a bit of a different way, to actually maybe bring some exhortation and encouragement to all of you to stay faithful to Jesus Christ here in Rathfri Island. I want to remind us and encourage us in the reality, church, that it's not us that make the things we're doing in our churches powerful and effective. Do you know this? It's, it's not simply our skills or efforts or programs or events or ministries or music or whatever it is that brings life change and salvation to sinners. We don't hope in any of the things we do to save sinners. Make no mistake about it, family, the power in all we do is found only in the gospel message that saturates all that we do, right? It's not, look, you guys know this, a sermon without Christ Jesus is at best just an inspiring speech. Uh, A worship service without Christ is at best a concert. An event without Christ A a, a church community event that we might do without Christ might be fun, but it lacks the power present when God's family comes together with the goal of lifting high the name of Jesus and celebrating the gospel. You see, Cornerstone, look, the devil isn't scared of us or the things we do. The devil is afraid of whose we are. He's afraid of who lives within us. He's afraid of who we belong to and the name that we're called to proclaim without ceasing. The devil trembles, Cornerstone Church, at the name of Jesus that we won't stop proclaiming and to whom we won't stop giving the glory to. We have to be, both in Elko, Nevada, and in Rathfriland, Ireland, we have to be a Jesus-saturated people if we're going to affect change in our city and in our country. We have to remember daily, moment by moment, that the hero of the gospel is not you, it's Jesus. We have to remember that the power of the gospel is not us, it's Christ. We have to remember that the dread of the devil is not us, it's Christ whose we are. We have to remember that the hope for the hopeless in our city is Jesus Christ. We have to remember that salvation for the lost is only found in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, the enemy is reminded of his defeat only when the name of Christ is proclaimed through all that we say and do. And so my, my prayer for our churches is this, as we move forward together in life and ministry, when we gather together week after week, when we open our Bibles and open our mouths in the presence of the enemy, my prayer is that from living stones and from cornerstone, the devil would hear only the name of Jesus continually and he would run for the hills. I pray this often for you all. 
that when you gather together, the devil would know he's not welcome here. Because this is a community of faith that exists to lift high and glorify King Jesus. In verse 10, if you look in your Bibles, Paul says that it's because of this truth, this unbound, unstoppable gospel. He says it's because of this that he's willing to endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's chosen people. He's willing to endure anything. Now, I'm not sure how it is here, but I'll, I'll just kind of tell on my church and my culture a little bit while I'm here. Um, one of the things that's true in America is, is this reality, and, and I'm not pointing fingers, this is often true of me too. Uh, I read verses like this where Paul is rotting in a prison cell, writing about faithfulness to the gospel, his willingness to suffer and endure for the glory of Christ. And I realize that even though we're called to endure difficult things for the sake of the gospel, difficult relationships, I found in my context, and maybe it's true here, that, that perhaps <laughs> we're not even really willing to endure a little bit of discomfort for the sake of the gospel. Like sometimes it's not actually suffering that causes us to drift away from the family of God. Uh, sometimes it's just comfort. Sometimes it's just convenience. Sometimes it's just selfishness. Sometimes we just would rather do our own thing. Family, listen, Paul says, with a gospel this good, with a Jesus this powerful, there is no suffering or hardship. And I would add, there is no comfort or pleasure the world could offer that should derail us from our faithfulness and worship of Christ and should stop us in our evangelism and spreading Christ. Family, look, God has his people all over Rathfryland, Ireland and beyond. He has them all over. God has his people all over Elko, Nevada. And he has given us together a message that when we proclaim, he has given us a name that when we lift high boldly and without fear, he has given us this good news, this gospel, that if we will simply proclaim, God will draw his people to himself. We can preach the gospel with boldness, just like Paul, no matter our circumstances, knowing that salvation doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the Lord. And as we proclaim Christ, God will save his people. This is the most important task in our lives, is to preach the gospel. Now, there's a hundred plus different stories in here. I don't know your lives. I don't know the things that you're going through. There's, there's probably many of you who are in a joyful, good season of your life right now. There's likely others of you who are down. You feel defeated. You feel emptied. You're just wondering if you have another day. Maybe ministry has exhausted you. Maybe family is exhausting you. Maybe work is difficult. And you're just kind of in a place where you're not feeling the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Number one, if you are in that place, I want you to know I'm committed to pray for you. But number two, I want you to know that likely, 
when I found myself in difficult, difficult seasons of life and ministry, um, part of the reason that I've stayed in those places of defeat and emptiness has, has not been because God was far off from me. It, it was not because God had, had taken his calling off of my life. It was often simply because I was failing to remember Christ Jesus. That I was hoping in a different set of circumstances or a different set of relationships or a different place to satisfy my heart instead of going back time and time again to the same Jesus who is the only one that can satisfy us. He's the only one that can heal broken hearts. He's the only one who can reinvigorate a tired and wounded soul. It's only Jesus who can do this. And so, family, proclaiming Christ boldly and faithfully includes, certainly, and it must include, the opening up of our mouths to preach the gospel of Jesus. And I think you guys do a great job of that here. But it also includes the reality that the gospel church is proclaimed through this family that we belong to as well. Like, do you guys realize, I, I think we often forget the power of and the gift of what we've been given right here in this room. God has, you realize this, God has saved each of us from our sin. And he hasn't saved us from our sin just so that we can go out and live kind of lonely, isolated lives for God. Like that's, if you read the book, you just don't find that anywhere. Instead, what you see is that God has saved us from sin and saved us into a family. And that family is called the church. Okay, like you guys driving up here on Monday evening with my family, I realized something as I was thinking about you all and praying for you. I realized you all here in Rathfryland are literally a city on a hill. A city that cannot be hidden. Like think of this, even physically where you are, God in his sovereignty has raised you all up together that others in Rathfryland and beyond might see the beauty of our Jesus. God is very purposeful in where he has you and what he's doing. It is no accident that his church in Rathfryland is where it is. And so I would just call you to remember that when we live not just as a bunch of individuals, but when we live life collectively as the church, when we are then faithful to the scriptures, when we're faithful in our gathering together to worship, when we're faithful in our love for one another, in our service of one another, when we're faithful in prayer for one another and for our city, when we are faithfully living as the family that God has called us to be, Cornerstone, make no mistake about it that an unbelieving city and an unbelieving world takes notice. It is powerful Jesus actually said this. He told his disciples, he said, you know, one of the primary ways that the world is going to know you're my disciples is by your love for one another. He's like, by the way that you are together, that will proclaim the goodness and the majesty of God. And so in a 
city in a country that is divided as the history of Ireland has shown and as I've heard from many of you as I've learned about your country. In a city and country divided, family, one of the most powerful things you guys have is the unity of this family. You know, what God has done in me and Pastor John is amazing. Um, We all saw him almost cry up here. I saw it. And when he almost cried, I started to laugh, but then I was about to cry. (laughs) Because I'm so thankful for what God has done here. This family that you all have is such a beautiful and powerful thing. And the reason it's beautiful and powerful is because this gospel we have, church, has the power to take absolute strangers and make us family. Do you realize this? That the gospel has the power to take people from absolute different parts of the world and that they might, because of Christ, look at one another and say, brother, sister. Don't forget the power of, of this family, Cornerstone. I believe that it's one of the, one of the greatest gifts God has given you and And I believe that it is through your faithfulness in coming together as a church family that the city of Rathfryland and beyond is going to be reached for the gospel, reached for Christ. Cornerstone, I'm just trying to say this. Don't forsake this gathering together. Continue to be faithful. Build one another up in the gospel. This is a powerful testimony of God's goodness and his power to save here in Rathfryland. Don't don't take for granted. I heard several people, uh, even this morning, when I was talking about the beauty of your country and how overwhelming it is, several several people I talked to had said, man, it's just, it's it's amazing to hear that because we often take it for granted. Um, And I, I totally understand that. But if you saw Elko, Nevada, you would no longer take it for granted. (laughs) I haven't seen the color green in a long time. Um, But in the same way, family, don't take the beauty of what God has done here in your gathering together for granted. Don't, Don't take it for granted. It is a gift that I think possibly you and I will only really fully appreciate when we get to see Jesus' face. Paul says in the last verses, which for sake of time, I'm not gonna go into too far, but maybe in your home groups this week, maybe you guys could sort of unpack this together. But he ends, he ends this section of scripture with a hymn in verses 11 through 13. Look what he says. He says, the saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Paul ends here with this beautiful truth that if we have died with Christ, meaning if we have laid down our lives, if we have surrendered to the will of God and we have trusted in Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection, if we've died with Christ, Paul says we will also live with him. He's, he's giving us here the hope of the power of the resurrection that is coming for us all. I often tell my church this, 
I often say, I know life is hard sometimes. I know you feel downcast and downtrodden and tired and depressed and anxious and fearful. And I know that you feel like following Jesus is a roller coaster of up and down of, of just of emotions. And I, but I try to say to my church often, hey, remember this, because of Christ Jesus, because of who you belong to, this life is the closest to hell you're ever going to get. And so set your eyes on Christ. Live hopeful lives in the power of the resurrection. You can endure anything with your eyes on Jesus. Paul says, this is the hope of heaven is coming for us all. There's a promise of endurance in him. Reigning with him at the end of all of this when Jesus returns. It's a beautiful promise. And then right after that you heard, there's a warning. (laughs) Beautiful promise, warning. This is how Paul often writes. He says, but if we deny him, if we reject who Christ is, if we reject his message, if we will not surrender our lives to him, then there is no salvation. And in the context of Paul and Timothy's pastoral ministry, the reason that they must keep proclaiming this unbound gospel regardless of where they find themselves, is because they know what we know, Cornerstone. If sinners do not hear and believe, they will not be saved. They must hear. They must believe. And so, Cornerstone, never stop preaching Jesus. Never stop proclaiming his name. Never stop shouting his goodness God will save his people and he will strengthen you to endure this life until Jesus Christ returns and he makes everything new. What a day that's going to be, huh? His grace is truly amazing. His gospel really is unstoppable. And so let me me close with this. Um, If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, Uh, Maybe you're just kind of investigating this whole Jesus thing, you know, wondering why, why this group of people gathers together every week and sings and raises their hands and does all kinds of weird stuff, right? Listen, I'm so glad that you're here and and I want you to know something Uh, and I can say this with authenticity. I want you to know that Cornerstone Church really is a safe place for you to come and investigate Jesus. You can come here and investigate the scriptures. You're welcome to come here as long as you want without even becoming a Christian. If you just want to come and and open up the scriptures and and see the beauty of Christ, you can do that here with us. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to call you out, single you out. Um, You can investigate Jesus safely here. But I do want you to know this. I don't believe that you're just here by accident. I really believe that you're here because God loves you and because God wants to adopt you into his family today. I believe that with my whole heart. You see, the the good news of the gospel includes this reality that Jesus Christ lived perfectly so you don't have to. So I don't have to. And listen, that's really good news. You know why? Because we can't live perfectly. Because none of us can. No matter how hard we try, we all need the amazing grace of God. Christ 
died on the cross, shed his blood, had his body broken. We're going to celebrate that through communion in a little bit. So that the penalty for your sin and my sin would be paid for in full. So that we could receive forgiveness from our sins and our failures in life. And he rose again from death on the third day, proclaiming his victory over Satan, over sin, and even death itself, and making it now that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen, Cornerstone? That's the news. The gospel's unstoppable. Anyone, doesn't matter what they've done, where they come from, what their background is, where they live, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you're investigating Jesus, I want you to know there's forgiveness for you. There's hope for you. There's grace for you. There's a new and bigger purpose in life available to you in Christ. There is love and joy and hope and peace for you. And it's all found in Jesus Christ, who who every word of this book is pointing us to. And so, Cornerstone family, I'm honored to call you guys my family, my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for letting me come all the way across the ocean and talk in this accent to you for 35 minutes. Uh, I appreciate you all. I am so thankful for what God is doing in Rathfryland. And I mean this when I say this. I truly believe the best is yet to come for Cornerstone Church. I really believe the best is yet to come. Why? Because I know you're not going to stop proclaiming the gospel. And the gospel is unstoppable. So church, would you pray with me? God, we love you. Uh, We are so thankful for who you are, for what you've done. I am so thankful to, to be here five years later and see that, the, that you've done so much that the room that once used to be split in half is now opened up. I'm so thankful to see uh, this room filled with people who love you, who see that you're beautiful, who, who are called to be faithful and to proclaim your gospel and to love and serve you and one another. And God, I just ask for your blessing on this church. I ask that you would heal broken hearts that are in the room. I ask, God, that you would bring joy back where where joy seems to have left. I pray, God, that in a fresh way, we would turn our eyes to you and we would see how beautiful and powerful you are. God, would you continue to save people here in Rathfrylan? Would you continue to make this family strong, to draw them closer together, to give them a desire Uh, to be a part of what you're doing here. We love you. We're ready to worship you. There's no one else worthy or deserving of our praise and worship except for you, King Jesus. And so we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.